to Wrestling and Everything Coast to Coast with your host, Buddy Sotelo Esquire, Mike Leno, and Evan Ginsberg. And would you like to introduce our guest for tonight? Sure. Uh, our guest is Jonathan C.T. Steele from Crazy Train Radio, which is one of our favorite programs because it's not just wrestling, an eclectic mix of wrestling and the arts, as we like to say. Welcome back, right. Jonathan. Thank you. Oh, and where do I send this to? Me, 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 me. I, I need, <laughs> with my holiday bills and what my heating's probably going to cost this month, I need it badly. Uh, of course, here. that would come from the lawyer, but yeah, we won't. <laughs> yes, the lawyer's Thank the first you guys. job. Let me say so, something quick. I want to say something good and something not so good. Happy Kwanzaa to everybody who celebrates it, listening in on both shows. Uh, but also, I didn't we get lost, you anything. We I lost. Uh, no, just good health for everybody and myself too. We lost the world's moral compass at only age 90. Anti apartheid. I mean, this guy worked so hard for human rights, peace, active, uh, peace activists globally, getting rid of apartheid. That was uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu. And um, I actually so met him, Mike. Did you? I met oh, really? him back in the 80s. Yeah, very sweet guy, nice guy. He seemed like totally. Down to earth, regular guy. Yeah. So, why? How'd you meet him? How, how'd you run? He was he, he was uh, walking around in Manhattan. I just walked up to him and got his autograph. Wow. That couldn't be any nicer. That is the beauty of living in New York City. You really can run into literally anybody in the world. Well, oh, Jonathan yeah. would like this because Evan and I. The last time I stayed there, and I, I was watching. Uh, a friend of Evan's place, I, I forget where it was, but it was like I could walk to Mariel Hemingway's restaurant, who she had it at the time, and I would later interview her in person. And you know, she said when she got divorced, the restaurant went away. But Evan and I were in the, where were we at, Soho or something? And we saw Steven Tyler from Aerosmith with uh, his daughter. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess his wife, who looked younger than his daughter, or his girlfriend, yes. or she was. You know who has a restaurant in New York now? Angela Angela Mao, Deadly China Doll. Remember Enter the Dragon? Bruce Lee's sister. Oh, yeah, yeah. She got killed in Enter the Dragon. She did about 25 movies. She was a big star back in the 70s. She's got a Chinese restaurant in Queens. Yeah. What about Moby? Moby, the, uh, the, the DJ singer, etc. Does he still have that restaurant? I'm not sure, but it was big for a while. I don't know. It was a big vegan place, but they also had like milkshakes and, you know, stuff that I would, I think most of us would like. <laughs> and, and, and Jonathan, any, now in your neighborhood, where, who's the famous people hanging out in your neighborhood? What neighborhood is it? Well, in my part of South Jersey, not many. It would probably be, I guess, closest to me per se, and he's active right now in the NFL, would be Corey Clement, who won a Super Bowl with the Eagles in 2017, now playing for the dreaded Cowboys. Yeah, or having, NFL. having an easy time of it against Washington uh, uh, just before I t just started the show tonight. We, uh, we had that. So welcome to our final show of... Uh, 2021, what a uh, really strange and interesting year, I guess we can say, for uh, for, for this year, um, for many of us going through not only you know, our own personal challenges, but 
the state of wrestling itself. Um, my, my brother's here for the holidays, so so we actually, last night, were uh, catching up on Dark Side of the Ring. We're doing a, a Dark Side of the Ring marathon to kind of, you know, remind us of... You look at the photo credits, Russ, to see uh, most of those, like Luna, Chris Canyon, uh, the steroid trial. There was just one photo, but I, I was in probably 60% of them in terms of photos and photo credits. So I hope you look at those credits. Everybody. Uh, we just saw the Road Warrior one. So I don't think your photos were on that one. But I have uh, shunted off a ton. I was just asked, and then I was on Busted Open Friday or Thursday, and Mark Henry asked me to whisk them in. So I'm going to get credit. I'm going to get paid. But most importantly, a lot of people haven't seen these photos I have of Owen Hart backstage doing a lot of you know, cool stuff. And they've got that tournament going on that uh, I'm sure Jonathan can talk about that for both the men and the women. It's nice. Martha Hart refuses to work with Vince, you know, for the obvious reasons, but she is working with the uh, sort of the anti Vince, a guy who cares about his athletes and people. Uh, it seems that way. And a do-gooder in the uh, Tony Khan. Jonathan, let me ask you and then hear from the other guys uh, their thoughts on Tony Khan, because we have these guys, and I've talked about it a little the last month on various shows. Tony Khan and Billy Corgan, the rock star god from Smashing Pumpkins, these guys seem to be promoters with a heart, and they're doing good things. The ratings reflect that, whereas Vince's ratings down the toilet. Uh, Evan can talk about the the fiasco at Madison Square Garden tonight. <laughs> Tickets were. You mean the one he posted about 45 minutes ago? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but they were offering the tickets, so was it two for one, Ev, you saw for a while there, and they were papering yeah. to get anybody in the place, you know. And they only they only drew 5,800, which is pathetic. I mean, they used to draw more than that monthly with uh, Bruno and Backlund and Morales. 5,800 with two for one tickets, two steel cage matches advertised, you know, um, since we're, since we're on this, I'll briefly go into it. The main event was supposed to be Big E and Rollins and Owens in a cage, which you'd think would be a draw, and also women in a cage. But um, ultimately, Rollins says he has COVID, from what I'm hearing. So uh, it ended up being uh, Owens and Edge, which is actually a good match. But um, in the cage. cage Owens, that ended up being in the cage? Owens, Owens and Edge in the cage for no particular reason. See, cages used to be a violent, bloody blow-off to a feud. Now they just toss guys together, and they're kind of vanilla. I saw, um, I, I saw John Cena and um, what's the guy's name? The, uh, the, the knockoff of uh, Shawn Michaels. What's his name, uh, Oh, Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw them in a cage, and it was totally vanilla. It's like, they're, you know, you're, you're watching it, and you're going, Ziggler looks like a nice guy. If he walked down the street, you'd shake hands with him. <laughs> you know, there was no intensity. He's a funny stand-up. We have Cold Cabana. We got Mick Foley, and there might be a couple I'm leaving out. Very funny the guy when he does his stand-up. He hasn't done it in a while. But. He should stick to stand-up because, as far as wrestling, he's vanilla. Just like half, half. Yeah, he's the, earning uh, like four million dollars a year. I'd, I'd be vanilla for four million dollars a year. You know, the, 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 considering he's earning more than all the the, the wrestlers that got fired. Recently. Here's something I want Jonathan to hear. 
because sometimes I say this stuff, and I don't know if he ever believes me, but I brought Amy Schumer, who Dolph Ziggler used to date before she got married to the chef. She had just done that uh, that Comedy Central roast. I forget who it was, if it was Justin Bieber or Alec Baldwin, or maybe it was Trump. But she hadn't hit that zenith, and I brought her on Legends with me and Evan, and uh, she was, you know, really pleasant. She wasn't super sarcastic as you would see her not break character like a wrestler on all these other shows. But we had Amy Schumer on for, God knows, at least 45 minutes. She was happy to do it like Chelsea Handler and Whitney Cummings and some of these others who would later hit their zenith. But uh, really, you know, it's anyway, I don't know how he got her, but uh, uh, why wouldn't you? uh, Why wasn't that ever trumped up in WWE that, hey, this guy was dating for a while there. She was the hottest comic on the planet, you know, like she uh, broke into movies. Yeah, well, some of her movies didn't do that great. The first one did. But why wouldn't you plug that? Why wouldn't you plug Mick Foley all the times he's on Jon Stewart's uh, The Daily Show? That he's on there as like the wrestler, liberal thinking correspondent. Because Vince is right wing and he's a Trump boy. So, uh... But can I go back to uh, answer Mike's question from a couple minutes ago? No, we're sorry. Uh, you lost that opportunity. <laughs> next, okay. next visit next visit yeah, yeah. Right so, go ahead go well yeah because i know how mike can go love him for it. i told him many a times he should uh sell a t-shirt because he always goes during his question then i'll shut up yeah that that's or that should be the right. yes the, the the subtitle of our show yes yeah so i'm thinking i'm gonna work with a pro wrestling tees and get mike a shirt then I'll, hashtag then i'll shut up but as far as the AEW product you were asking about and how they and Billy Corgan, I don't know as much with NWA, but I can say because I do have contacts within AEW, both in the office and talent wise, as Dr. Mike would know. And the thing I like about it, and it has nothing to do with the ratings and any of that stuff, I appreciate that they are given their talent insurance and pay time off and, you know, like a traditional business would give you in different options. And Moxley, for example, there's a great example. He, he's given all the time he needs to get sober, get cleaned up, be himself again. And uh, it just, it's, it's great to see, you know, I, I wish we would have had that a long time ago. We, you know, because wrestling can be a corporate thing, but Tony is juggling it very, very well between, you know, a corporate thing and right now with his dad and the the uh, the Jacksonville, uh, Florida team, you know, they're, they're going through some negative press and stuff like that. But to juggle corporate stuff and then be like a total human being and a caring guy and hear this guy every week, he does a segment on the, the, that Sirius XM show. This guy really loves the business. He hasn't lost that love. Uh, the shows are off the charts. I mean, I never, I never fast forward anything on AEW the way I do. I, I went through SmackDown in probably 18 minutes, two hours of SmackDown, not even 18 minutes, just you know, blipped. And there were some good matches, but I, you know, you get through the crap. I don't do that with AEW or any other group, not even Impact. So. I actually just watched the. Uh... Rampage from last night, the Christmas special, before we jumped on here. So, how was it? Pretty good. You know, you had, I think it was like three matches with the cool. main event being 
Yeah, I think they three did, or four they matches. Squash with uh, Wardlow or something like that. Uh, I can't even recall. Yeah, it. They had something that was fairly quick. Uh, yeah. Where all Wardlow did was just like power bomb the guy four or five times, and that was the end of that. So wasn't the, the greatest, but it held a lot better than uh, even Raw or SmackDown. I, 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 it is interesting the. Uh, the SmackDown vignette with Heyman that you guys can talk about uh, if you guys watched it. it because he's producing that. That was the best segment of uh, why can't you do that with talent that needs to get over? Like some of these talent, we never even heard them speak. We could do a vignette on uh, uh, Dewdrop and learn about her background and all this stuff. They did a, a out of the park five star Heyman thing, but it's only because Heyman is the producer of the. But you know. here, and here's why I think is that Vince doesn't deep down he doesn't want you to care about some of these people. He actually because you know he's he might fire them 48 hours later. You know, we, we, there's no there's nobody right now other than the, if your last name is McMahon or maybe if you're you're Triple H that you can't get fired. That there isn't someone that's unfireable or uncuttable. Maybe you want just look at uh, Bearcat, you know, how much they were pushing him. And if people did care about him, well, it, that didn't really pay off because he was gone, you know, two months after they, they monstrously the pushed him. The kiss of death is when you see the stupid vignette that lasts like five seconds with like Veer, the big, huge uh, Indian American guy, coming soon, coming soon. And then they kept doing that with Nathan the, James, anyone? A, 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 Nathan Jones? Uh, Jones, yeah, Nathan Jones, anyone? Yes. Why can't they do? Because they had, you know, that Vince was so gung ho about Brett, Brett's on his way out, do the right thing, and blah blah blah. Uh, with do the right thing when these guys are let go, like Braun Strowman, for example. Why not explain or have something where he leaves the way they do it on NXT when they got rid of those guys that you know, all the veterans. It's like every single veteran on NXT is gone. Uh, you know, there's another show I never fast forwarded, but I am now since it's gone to the 2.0 NXT. But with, with a lot of those guys that they got rid of, John Morrison or something like that, why couldn't they have done something, you know, destroy it, have the Miz destroy him or something? Why not do an old school loser leaves town match? Exactly, exactly. Well, that's because, you know, Vince treats you like a, a bad Jewish relative. It's like you're dead to me. And they like, yes. and, and they're like, you are never to be spoken of in the family again. Unless, of course, you know. Unless you can make it money, well, he always brings a lot of folks back. That's I, the thing, is that, yes, you're well, dead to them. It was probably because there was the multitude, a, a huge, tremendous amount of people, uh, every single firing. You had those two in what, like, just the span of like two weeks? You had the. Uh, uh, Taya Valkyrie, and then like two weeks later, her husband gets canned, shit canned, and those other two couples. And, and 82, 82 wrestlers this year. 82. Yes. Well, Eva Marie, you knew that that, that was going to be a fiasco and would taint uh, Piper, uh, a.k.a. Dewdrop, who's a tremendous wrestler in, in Europe and NXT UK. And then they bring her in as a joke with Eva Marie, who you knew that person who could not wrestle and, and jonathan just died on camera <laughs> yeah uh, yeah no sorry i want to make no, sure that was it for you I mentioned eva marie's career and jonathan went, yeah 
beautiful girl, but the shit's in the ring. I'm, I don't know why they would have ever brought her back. They didn't they learn from their last lesson or. I don't know. But I want to. I'm thinking about this. And Mike, was it you that said about caring about people? Yeah, because. If we're going to sit and book the territory, as they would say. Wouldn't it be the more people you care about, the more money you can potentially make? Not according to Vince. That's not how he works. He's well, let's be positive. So I always dog Vince. But in this case, I want to prop up Tony because the wealth of talent when he has Kyle O'Reilly coming in and you know some other vets are going to be coming there, like Johnny Gargano, who's absolutely incredible, and his wife, you know, when the babies hatch next in about two months. What a wealth of talent. The the, the talent pool in AEW really puts WWE to shame. So um, the so the fans were complaining that AEW stole these guys from NXT and WWE. Meanwhile, they were in ROH together, all these guys. We were so in who, Vince. So who did, who did WWE get them from, ROH? Look at all the guys that are on top in a lot of these companies. Well, both. And even uh, to a certain extent, the NWA and MLW. All ROH guys that rose to the top, Kevin Steen, Kevin Owens, and uh, Tyler Black, who, you know, now is, is Seth. Uh, just a, a ton of those guys. And they're smaller, more athletic, more exciting to watch. And they're leaving WWE in droves for AEW, which is the place to, to be. And, and it's fun that the folks that I talk to, like Mark Henry off, uh, because the show was over, the Busted Open show last Thursday, day before Christmas or Christmas Eve, and we're talking off air about it, as I have with Taz and, and others, and they're just so happy and at peace, and it's good to see these guys really uh, deserve it. I want to say something else before I forget it. Watch the TMZ, uh, I guess it's Mary Effing Goodbye to 2021 special tonight, because Becky Lynch is on there. And of note, Jonathan in particular, and you can maybe tell me what's going on here, is her hair was half dark brown. So her natural color and just some of the ends were the red color. So I don't know. They had to film this thing recently because it's a goodbye to all the stupid stuff you know, like the Paul brothers in boxing of 2021. But what's going on with Becky's hair? Um, you know, maybe they just filmed it and maybe she's got a couple of days off or whatever. But her hair, she let it go back. Yeah, I don't know too much about that, honestly. Yeah. I think we should. I think we should do an hour on um, Becky's hair color. I think that would be great radio. Because it's so noticeably different. She's on TV the other night, all red, fake, you know, hair, which is the ridiculous thing. Her hair is red because she's supposed to be, you know, Irish. So they they give her, you know, the full Becky name. Uh, and all this stuff. We cannot get away from the stereotypes that, that go back to wrestling's roots, the World War II stuff and the uh, ethnic stuff. Thank God Bruno was just Bruno San Martino, just a regular guy. No and gimmick. No, no gimmick. No. And no, and no, and no had to die. <laughs> well, yeah, he had some at the beginning, but he, I mean, no pyro, no girl on his arm, no manager other than Arnie Skolan. So I take that back. But, uh, no entrance music and the place, as Evan knows, the times I was in the Garden Shooting or Boston Garden or Philly Spectrum or Cap Center, etc. Place out of their minds ballistic. The loudest, 
you know, I wish I had earplugs back then the way we would later for uh, like Kane's the dynamite popping or uh, any of the loud stuff that the pyro stuff. Buddy, that was, uh, buddy is, is your brother Owen still alive? Is he still alive? Yeah. Yeah. Because he's, he's flickering on and off on screen like a specter behind Oh, I, I see. Uh, I'll to, can you move just a little bit there to the... Maybe he's one of the ghosts of Christmas. What's the ghost? That's right. The ghost, ghost of, of Christmas past. He's a, yeah, the ghost he's of Christmas He's a Pedro Morales party. fan. He's a ghost of Christmas <laughs> past. A um, couple other agenda items I wanted to bring up. And one is um, this uh, just uh, the other day, uh, Corporal Kirshner died. I don't know if you guys were I aware of that. Like a couple of years ago. No, Michael again. James Fenzel. Well, he's in FMW and, and some of the other uh, hardcore groups in Japan. Yeah, Leatherface. Yeah, no, yes. And yeah, I'll, uh, Corporal Kirshner, in, uh, for me, it's kind of interesting because to me at that time when they introduced Corporal Kirshner, that was the first time for, in my opinion, that Vince pushed something during that era that utterly did not get over. Everything else. Hey, like, wait, what about Outback Jack? That was after. <laughs> that was the Jimmy Outback Jack phone. Yeah. Corporal Kirshner was, at the time that they introduced Corporal Kirshner... It was because Slaughter left. There was some heat, and and maybe Evan or Jonathan can tell me why. Slaughter left... G.I. Joe. Oh, because... Yeah, A.W.A. Went to the A.W.A. Oh, no, he went to the A.W.A. because Vince let him go, but that was what Corporal Kirshner was just the obvious to replace, you know, this faux military guy. But what was the deal? He did the G.I. Joe without Vince's consent or something? They, the way I heard it, and this was recent, that Slaughter was offered the G.I. Joe toy packaging and gimmick and all that fun stuff. And Vince wasn't happy because he was just signing on the LJN figures. Correct. And then, you know, you can't do that, but Sarge owned the copyright and all that fun stuff of Sergeant Slaughter. And he goes, well, I can do what I want, almost like a Jesse Ventura, and went, did his own thing for a few years there. Yeah, and and Corporal Kirchner, before that, everything Vince had pushed, as far as, like, gimmick characters, Most. was over tremendously. I mean, no matter what he tried, it was working out great, and everybody was eating it up with a spoon. And it was the heart of, you know, Hulkamania, and and everyone was just so uh, 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 thrilled with... um, What's that photo up there that just popped up? What the heck was that? Go ahead, and I'll explain, Hitter. (laughs) Oh, sorry. I should have brought it back up. Do you need me to... to, uh, I'm not so sure. Go ahead and finish your... uh... Oh, well, no, to me, that was the, because the, the, just the week before, or about two weeks before, I'd seen uh, Corporal Kirshner, uh, Mike Penzel, as R.J. Reynolds fight against Jimmy Snuka and get just absolutely destroyed. And that was the first time that, as a wrestling fan, I'd then seen a guy get gimmicked into something where he was just a jobber a week, a couple weeks before, and then... He's suddenly, you know, being pushed as well, a guy. That with Gilbert, who was, uh, what, what, what was his jobber name, his regular job? I forget now. Dwayne Gill? 
Yeah, Dwayne Gill. Oh, Dwayne Gill. Gill. But again, R.J. Reynolds or 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 Carl Kushner was years and years before that. Right. So this is the first time something like that had ever happened that I'd been watching, and so it was kind of a, a, a an interesting awakening of like gimmickry and how and where Vince gets these guys from. So basically, basically Skinner, there's, there's a lot of shitty gimmicks. How many gimmicks did they give Barry Windham, the Widowmaker, you know, after he had the nice run with Rotunda? So what Buddy's doing here is a tribute to uh, Corporal Carson by, by saying he flopped miserably. This is a great tribute. Well, wait, 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 wait. we should throw in there, though, too. This is a guy I, I knew well, and I've got some great stories, but I won't interrupt because Jonathan's hardly talked. Blackjack Lanza. There was a guy who really was a name in the business, um, you know, a, not putting down Corporal Kirshner, but it didn't really last. I don't even know how long he lasted with the company. I can't even think of any feuds. Did he have any feuds with Iron Sheik or Volkov? He, he, he wrestled Nikolai But it wasn't, I don't think he was above a C-level performer, um, you know, because for me, it just felt like, oh, there's a knockoff slaughter. It's so obvious what they're doing. And what about what about Vince bringing in Don Canoodle and wasting him? They they could have, you know, he was Slaughter's partner in the NWA. That would have worked, but I guess Vince didn't see the six pack of abs or whatnot. What did he do with Canoodle? Was he just jobbing? Canoodle came in and they were jobbing him out. Basically, he was always on the undercard. They totally wasted him. He was he, he was here in the eighties. Under his own name in WWF? Under his own name, sure. So I many times. A lone TV taping of like two matches the Freebirds had, all three of them. Who would predict that Michael Hayes would come back, you know, in the, the booking, et cetera, capacity and all of that stuff. But they had a gold mine there straight from Georgia Championship and, and AWA and everything else. The, the three Freebirds, how could you blow that? Jonathan, what what happened with that and Buzz Sawyer? So they I heard the, the Freebirds literally pissed on Vince's leg in a uh, meeting. Really? That's what I heard, seriously. I don't know if it's true uh, or an urban <laughs> myth, but... Uh, well, John, what about uh, Buzz Sawyer? And then the, Did you hear that about the Freebirds, why they failed in, like, 84 to be hired full-time? I don't know much about Buzz Sawyer's tenure. But and obviously I've heard Michael Hayes deny it over many, many times, but wouldn't surprise me the infamous Andre throwing him out of the locker room because of uh being high as a kite, let's just say at the time, with pills and whatnot. The story was that Michael tells was they were they thought, let's just say they thought he, they had a day off. But yet, uh, Bam Bam Gordy said, no, we're going to the show, Michael. And uh, Michael was, and Andre helped try to bring them in because he thought the, the act was great. But it was like, on, it was the first day Andre was an agent behind the scenes, which don't get talked about much. No. So, and he was just like one of those and went from there and Vince wasn't happy and felt he couldn't trust him, which is like a hill of beans when Vince says, I can't trust you. It was pretty major. I can't even remember maybe in, 
No, not even all Japan. I can't remember. Did Gordy ever have a singles in Dallas or Atlanta with Andre? I cannot. Somebody ought to do some research on that. I can't for the life of me think of those guys. And Andre had so many in the 70s in particular. And I got to shoot him against Ernie Ladd a couple of times. And then there were some other, uh, you know, Don Leo Jonathan in both Montreal and Houston. But I can't think of, you know, a guy approaching Andre's height, even though, you know, he was, I think, just legit 6'11". And Gordy could have, you know, they would have worked well together, I think, because Gordy could work with anybody. Do you guys recall just the singles between Terry Gordy and Andre? Well, were you? did you get to shoot uh, Andre and Hanson over in Japan, Mike? No. No, sadly. But there's another guy. Yeah, well, Brody or, or Hanson. I mean, even uh, Bobo, uh, Andre was good, and Bobo could barely move, and Andre was, you know, Andre. People kind of, I think, have glorified his his work rate, but he was up until uh, maybe seventy seven. He could do you know quite a few things and move without having you know get up off the mat without having to grab onto the ropes, which we would sadly see, you know, in the eighties and stuff. Uh, I saw Andre in seventy four at the Garden against Kowalski, and the guy could move back then. There you go. That was, wasn't that the undercard to, uh, I think I shot that one. Was uh, was that the one with uh, Bruno and Strongo against the Valiants on top? Probably, yeah. Uh, I also well, wanted since to we're out. talking Andre, great book if you get, get a chance to yeah. see it. Pat Laprade and uh, Bernard. Yeah, you know, great guy. I always have. You know both the guys really well. Bertrand, yeah. He, he, yeah, they, uh, I keep nagging them. I would love to see an Ed Carpentier book because this guy was one of my favorites, even though, you know, he was more of a Argentina Rocca flying around the ring guy. He was very nice guy and uh, big wherever he went. And the weirdest, well, it was the third weirdest style clash ever, him challenging Jack Briscoe for the NWA title at the Kiel Auditorium in St. Louis when he oh. left us in uh, L.A., he and Furpo, you know, another infamous Mike LaBelle payday, and both of them were out in February 75, and Furp went back to Detroit for Chic. Carpentier goes in and knocks him dead almost immediately in the main event in St. Louis, which was primo, primo. But Mike, here's the big question. So so I'm a, I'm a huge Carpentier fan. When I was a kid, he was a big, big star, and um, – People don't realize what goes into writing a book. When you're really serious about writing a book, you're talking hundreds, if not thousands of hours. So how many Carpentier books could you possibly sell in 2022? How many Carpentier fans are still alive? No, yeah. seriously. I mean, you know, to put in thousands I'm of hours. A Carpentier book? No, this is a, another one speaking of the Canadian territory by... Yeah, yeah, but uh, Pat. Well, my, po my point is, my point is, unless Carpentier is your childhood hero, and you're willing to put, let's say, a thousand hours into writing this book, and a couple of hundred people buy it, and you never make a dime on it, it's a big commitment. It really is. People don't realize. Well, and, and the thing that would kill me is that uh, Brutus Beefcake. <laughs> His self-published book would sell more than Carpentier. Yeah, well, he'll be out there every weekend at appearances signing them. That's the difference. Um, 
you know, to us, Spiros Arium, Waldo von Erich, these are huge names. How many books would they sell? You know, it's 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 questionable. You know, you'd have to really be passionate. Well, now, like, if you made them into Marvel superheroes, though, then nine out of ten uh, movie watchers would go see them. You know, on a given weekend. Speaking like of did. which, speaking of which, I'll make this very brief, not to interrupt the wrestling. I went to see American Underdog today about Kurt Warner. I was the only person in the theater. I was, it was me alone, nobody else. Okay. So, so nine out of 10 people are going to see Spider-Man and pretty much every other movie is dying a horrible death. It was like a private screening. I was the only ticket in that place. So. I forget what his challenge was he had some kind of a physical challenge or something what what was his you know overcoming the odds type of thing he um he was he was with a minor college the kind of college that they didn't take seriously so then he ended up playing arena football which they don't which they don't take seriously then he was too old he had been out of college for many years and finally somebody you know, saw a video of him and, and just said, you know, there's something about this guy. I, I like this guy. He's working it, in a grocery store, basically. Yeah, it was a stock boy in a grocery store. It's it's a very inspirational, moving film. I mean, it's hokey in parts, and it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's actually a religious film, so uh, some of the heavy-handed religious religious stuff won't be for everybody but you walk out of the theater feeling good it's a nice guy that that defied all the odds and made it through just perseverance and there's a good love story i i enjoyed it for the most part i'm not even a football fan you know hey you were always a hall of famer evan was COVID safe there's nobody in there have either uh, any of you three guys seen the new west anderson movie i really want to go see that and uh, i don't know if it's even in the theaters because you know, the special effects, cartoon, superhero things are, you know, taking storm. I think the number two movie of the year, the first one was Spider-Man already. And then the, the one with the Asian-American cast that was, you know, great on many levels. But I, I don't see the Wes Anderson film in any theaters. I don't think it's... it's they play in little odd houses. Let, let me tell you something. As somebody who makes films, basically it's 20000 a week to uh, have a theater to, to showcase your film, 20,000 a week. That's a lot of tickets, especially when people are scared to go into theaters because of COVID. Now, if they saw that there's virtually nobody in the theaters, like every time I go, you know, they might be less scared of, of COVID because uh, it felt perfectly safe. But uh, then again, I'm not a doctor. But my point being, um, there's a lot of great movies that are made that never will see a movie theater. And if they do, it's going to be these little odd houses in major cities. And they're not, they're just not going to hit the multiplex because people don't support them. I saw respect about Aretha Franklin. My wife and I were the only two people in the theater. I mean, Aretha Franklin, you know, so. Not an art house movie. That should be a blockbuster. Blockbuster. It, di it died a horrible death like most other movies this year. Well, In the Heights and then the uh, remake of uh, uh, Steven Spielberg thing. The uh, Side Story. 
Yeah, that didn't do well at all. I don't even think it uh, made the top five monetarily its first week. Which they said nine out of ten people went to Spider-Man. Nine out of ten. So the one-tenth is divided by every other movie. Can, can you imagine? Can Maybe you know? it's because of the escapism, you know, with, with Coben and everything being the drizzling shits, that wrestling term. You you really want the ultimate escape. That's probably. I mean, Jonathan, have you seen that new Spider Man? I have not. I've not much into the Marvel comics. Kind of. I actually just sat and I'll give it a cheap plug, even though they're older. Warner Brothers, because of the podcast, send me movies and such. But they actually just to update my uh, backlog, sent me. The Christopher Nolan Batman series from the early 2000s. You know, Batman Begins, Dark Knight, and Dark Knight. So I spent the past couple of days over the holiday actually sitting and watching them and the extras and all that fun stuff. Who sent you your purple shirt collection? The Joker. Every shirt is purple except the one. The Joker. <laughs> yes. Look behind you. Every shirt is purple. You got it from Princess Estate. They had an estate yeah. set. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, the electric guitar is out in the garage. I'd start doing Purple Rain, but. Yes. So um, I also wanted to bring up as a topic, 38 years ago today, on this date, was when Bob Backlund lost the title to the Iron Sheik. Your guys' thoughts as to that moment in history? It was the beginning of the end. It was a good era with Heel Piper and Ondorf and Snooker, and two, three years later, it was a total cartoon. I mean, uh, Vince, this, Vince, you know, they could they could say from here to tomorrow, you know, the guy's a genius, blah, blah, blah. He took something wonderful and turned it into crap pretty much, you know, and not immediately because, like, I love Neil Piper. I loved Orton. You know, a lot of those guys were great in the beginning. But by 87, 88, that was a cartoon for the most part. And uh, it's a shame because it didn't have to be. They were making plenty of money with his dad. There was, you know, big arenas up and down the East Coast. The greed kicked in. It became a T-shirt company instead of a wrestling company. And the weirdest thing, and we've all talked about this, is Billy Graham when we had him on. And he's told me, I'm sure he's told Evan, maybe Jonathan in person, that he kept pushing. He pushed Vince Sr., to turn him a face champion because he knew all he had was, you know, and that's the longest Vince Sr. ever went with a heel champion. They were always transitions. Uh, uh, Koloff and Stasiak, you know, boom, just quick transitions. But, and Billy kept saying, look, if we make a T-shirt, if you turn me face of a face champion, we can make a mint off T-shirts. So he saw the validity of that or the you know, future revenue of that. Do, do uh, let me ask Jonathan, were you going to uh, try WF or WWF? I don't know when you uh, started as a fan, but were you able to like see Backlund as champion at, at the Philly Spectrum or any venues near you or anything? I would, and this will show my age, I am only 37. So sure. I was born the year before. Mania one. But his fond, I, his fondest memories of a are of Corporal Kirshner. <laughs> his fond, fondest wrestling memories. Drink to Kirshner. No. That's but, right. uh, I gotta tell you, well, I think if you watch 
you know, I'm sure you watched the old Bruno matches yes. and stuff. You, you see why I'm so passionate about the territories. I do. It was such magic and every territory and I'll, I'll say Tri-WF was so much fun and, and the garden, my favorite venue was so electric, but every territory totally unique from the fans, the way they would react, the ref, the ring announcers, the TV, obviously the boys in the territory, the promoter, everything was different everywhere you went, whether it's AWA or Florida or St. Louis or LA or San Francisco or Calgary or Winnipeg is just magic or Japan, uh, Mexico, Canada. Uh, uh, I'm curious to know, cause, uh, Russ brought up about the, uh, title change between Backlund and Sheik, Sheiky baby, as everybody likes to refer because of uh, Stern and such, but, and obviously you know how it is. Evan kind of hit it at it earlier. Telegraph, telephone, or telephone, telegraph, telewrestler type deal. That old line. But how much of that do you believe the story of Sheik being offered a hundred grand or whatever it was at the time to break Hogan's leg? He said it to me seventeen times when <laughs> I spent the weekend at his house. So he he believes it. <laughs> well, you know what stage of Sheik was this? This was uh, this was when Tony Tickets was his uh, manager, probably fifteen years ago. We flew out. We flew out to Georgia, and we spent the weekend with him. And uh, he told me over and over and over again that Burns said that. So, he, you know, whether it's true or not, he kept saying it. I don't know. But the the thing was that Backlund was upset that he was being you know downgraded almost immediately he didn't hardly see it coming and then he was asked to be a heel and his whole life he'd been this clean amateur athletic guy whether it was his florida days and his awa days because Vern broke him in uh and then you know historic run in st louis amazing matches with jack briscoe and a babyface ted dibiase and all that stuff and then munchnik was the one that recommended him to vince senior and um uh, yeah, it was it it was just kind of sad because you know then it was straight to to Hogan and and there's another transition champion in Cosro Iron Sheik, but Ev, do you remember what Backlund's feud was just prior to that? Because it seemed like it was out of the blue. Uh, Mass Superstar was uh, pretty much towards the end of his run. They they wrestled twice at the Garden. Um, um, he had wrestled Mosca maybe the year before. Yeah, Mass Superstar was towards the end. It's all kind of a blur. But uh, what was weird? What was weird was Backlund ended up going to Pro Wrestling USA with Ganya, and he was kind of mid card. He was wrestling Zabisco for Pro Wrestling USA, and uh, he he he. I don't know. Ganya did some strange stuff with that Pro Wrestling USA. I go I go to one of their shows at the Meadowland at the Meadowlands and Brody Brody's in the second match wrestling Steve O. You know, at the at the peak of his fame, Brody's in the prelim, Backlund's mid card, you know, it it made no sense a lot of that booking. And Slaughter's on top with Kamala and Billy Robinson and these guys and he he had cooled off and lost the step also. And oddly enough, they had the Freebirds against the Road Warriors two months in a row. And that didn't draw, and the matches weren't particularly good. The first match was the Road Warriors and the Freebirds. 
The next, the rematch was all three Road Warriors against the Freebirds and Ellering. And neither drew, neither drew. And those were like the hottest tag teams in the world at the time. And uh, the Pro Wrestling USA just didn't draw big in, in our area for whatever reason. Yeah, you- I'd be curious to know. Sorry, Mike. Because you talk about the Backlund being offered to turn heel after dropping a belt and such. But he left for eight to ten years. And came back 93-ish to... Absolutely not. Because Vince Jr., a lot of people don't know Vince Jr. before that, before Vince Sr. died. And we all thought, what the hell is going on? You know, did uh, Vince Jr. somehow, allegedly, there were all these rumors, you know, push his dad out or finagle. And then we hear his dad passes. But when Roy Shire knew that Vince and Vern were both coming in because he had announced the January 81 battle Royal would be his last at the Cow Palace of San Francisco. And that's why he went to the newspapers in LA yes. San Francisco, exposed the biz completely to F it up for both of them coming in. But putting aside the fact that Vern came in and was promoting the Bay area, San Francisco, Oakland Bay area at the Oakland indoor arena, he knew, and and right away, the month later, Vince came in. So that was his first foray into going national outside of the realm of the Northeast, Tri-WF, WWF, was coming in and promoting in San Francisco well before, two years before the nationalization thing, you know, started in, I guess we'll call it December of 83. Uh, or, well, you know, give or take, you know, uh, 23 months. We're talking January 80, February of 81, uh, Vince has his first show in San Francisco at the Cow Palace, and he, he has to bring in all that talent. But some of the leftover Roy Shire guys were undercard: Woody Farmer and Pepper Gomez, etc. Well, what I was going to ask was because obviously I remember Backlund as a heel against Bret Hart for that year, year and a half period, and really enjoyed that. Do you think if he was a heel, meaning Bob Backlund? in the mid 80s how how well would that have gone over but also you guys talk about that the change of the cartoon-esque when hogan got the belt and things progressed if vince jr didn't go national at the time because obviously we know cable tv was becoming a thing you had tbs and such who would have stepped into that to have a full nationwide coverage or well Ole was territory. already doing it with georgia championship he was That's with tbs just the east coast you know uh, outside of new york well it was mostly philly baltimore arenas like that before ohio doing it but um the, the backland thing you know that russ it is an interesting topic talking about him because he needed money and he finally agreed to, you know, go against his better instincts and do the heel thing. And he did a nice run. And I think he grew to adopt it. And, you know, seeing him uh, at WrestleMania 2015 and having him pose with Bruno, he was like staying in character the whole time. I told you this story. Ev. Remember I told you Backlund is, is telling me he's a, a total conspiracy guy. He goes, all dentists are ripoff. I, I'm going to yank out all my teeth myself and just have a, lab guy do my dentures and that's exactly what he ended up doing my grandfather my grandfather did that yeah that's pretty crazy yes i just had one done on christmas eve a tooth Uh removed 
Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a whole other. Buddy, Buddy was complaining about his bills. I'm going to pull out all of his teeth and save him some dentist money. That's the only no. Please don't because it's the only thing in my body that's still intact. I have one cavity in my entire mouth. My teeth are almost perfect. So no, that's the one thing that did. My 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 brain and my teeth are going to be the two things that survive me. The rest yeah. of me is just going to turn into you a don't pile of goo pretty soon. Jake Roberts, when he speaks, and maybe Jonathan can tell me where the hell is Jake Roberts? He's not been on uh, TV, you know, managing the guy when they have uh, Murder Hawk. What's his face on? He hasn't Lance been. Archer. I don't think uh, Jake has been on their TV really maybe once or twice earlier this year and that's it where is he he's AWOL but when he speaks he too is wearing what we call in the dental trade burgers that's the sick name for a, a patient that has dentures because w- when you look at the upper or lower without the dentures in place they look it looks like hamburger meat and that's where that that you know dentistry has its own carny language and that's what we call anyway we call denture patients burgers that is why jake roberts has that weird speech thing now he's not talking the way he used to uh and there's you know backland if you talk to him now in person because he's not on tv uh but anyway uh what was i interrupting i'm not sure but hey we have about a few minutes left i wanted to go over because it's our last show of the year um the uh the list of all the wrestlers that we lost the wrestling personalities that we lost and maybe get some of your thoughts on, well, on the most in- incredible and yeah i mean from bobby eaton to butch okay. reed to daphne to uh jim crockett jr jody hamilton the assassin new jack paul orndorff uh ryan sakota the patriot angelo mosca barry orton Blackjack Lanza, Buddy Colt, Corporal Kirshner, Don Kernoodle, Dominic DiNucci, who I knew you guys knew oh, pretty well, Jimmy Ray. in his youngest days. <laughs> Josephus Huston, Hudson. And to us, we did an amazing tribute show on Dear Melissa Coates. Yeah. And, and uh, it's been a hell of a year to lose all those incredible wrestling personalities. Obviously, Melissa Coates was very special for us. Is there a name in that list that means something to you guys? In We're going to take the next four hours and pay tribute to all of them because uh, we have memories of all of them. So uh, that was a terrible mistake, but he just did because he's the engineer. We're going to wrap this up around 4 a.m. Um, <laughs> let, me, let me start. Let me start with Paul Orndorff, how great that guy was. That guy was a total package. And when I say total package, I mean it. That guy could wrestle. He could brawl. He had charisma. He could talk. He had a great look, a great gimmick. That guy was elite, an elite, elite wrestler. I enjoyed him more in Georgia Championship as the Brahma Bull, which Gordon Soley called him. He was out of this world, like Buzz Sawyer at that time. I mean, just a stud. This was before his arm injury which, you know, plagued him most of his WWF career, but he was still terrific. Remember, he had that huge Toronto house with uh, Hogan. They set all kinds of records in the main Him event. and Hogan were great together, and I'm not a huge Hogan fan, but Wondorf uh, got the best of him, boy. They, they were great together. And let me just say, as somebody who went to the NWA every month in Philly for several years in the 80s, 
The Midnight Express to me were the greatest tag team of all time. Eaton was phenomenal. And they were so perfect because Eaton was not a great talker and Cornette was. They were just perfect together. It, it almost didn't matter who, who the other guy was. You know, Lane was great. You know, they, they, they were all great. You know, it was pretty Condry much... Was the other guy. Condry yeah. was the other guy. Condry was more meat and potatoes, old school. Lane was flashier, but they were, they were both great teams. Cornette was the mouthpiece. Lane wasn't a bad talker either, but uh, Eaton I think was Bobby so Eaton was the greatest. He's called this, and it's true. Bobby Eaton was the greatest tag team wrestler ever, at least from 1970-something on, really. Tremendous. Anybody who put it with Arn Anderson, et cetera, Terry Taylor, uh, Bobby Eaton was phenomenal. And I was, I was telling somebody, you know, when the Road Warriors came down the aisle, the Road Warriors, and their music hit, the place went out of their minds. And and int interestingly, the when music. the Midnight Express came down the aisle and that music hit, the place popped also because they knew they were going to see a great match. It was a different kind of you know response. It was they were amazing, amazing. Uh, Jonathan, out of that list, who's very who was the most influential to you, and 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 why? Well, I always liked. Uh, Paul Warndorf there, but I want to go a different direction with this if I can and be a little serious just for a second, which is rare for me. But out of that list, I'd have to say, and I know I've talked to Mike about this, Daphne, yeah. because and the reason I say that is especially this time you hear you hear about stuff and whatnot. So mental health stuff and. You know, hopefully she can leave a positive impact. Like they got that thing hashtag tag me in, trying to That's help. Tremendous that video that Mickey James got all those people. Uh, that is so heartwarming. You know, yeah, I, I was so, you know, I'm not looking at, at, I don't know what can we expect in 2022, but that really puts me in a positive mood. What a tremendous thing that is. If, if you've not so seen- So if it could bring attention to that kind of thing, the mental health side of things, her death won't be in vain. Now I'm trying to look at the real life side of things there. No, that's, that's definitely understandable. Also, you know, about the story about Melissa Coates and her battle yeah. against cancer and trying so hard to fight back. But it wasn't it. cancer, it was blood clots. Sorry, sorry, blood, blood clots. It was, uh, but her fight against that and then trying to come back from that and then still being struck down tragically, such a young age, you know, it's just okay. really. Which was horrific for her. And then that happened. Um, let me just bring it to a positive thing, too, at, uh, I'll call it a reunion. I won't even call it by name, probably about six, seven years ago or right before Heenan passed away. Uh, Orndorff was one of those that was going to get an award and he came from the back of the room up to the, the podium and he <laughs> and his wife Cindy were there but their backs were turned and Bobby's in the wheelchair he couldn't speak or anything and, and Orndorff is going up but before he does you know he walks out of his way goes behind Heenan and, and grabs by the head and plants a big kiss on the top of his head and went up there and It's been a tough year, a tough series of years for people, you know, um, last two years, I mean, including myself losing my father in 
October. It's just everybody. I think has lost some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 Mike Leno lost his his mother. It just it's been I think a tough series of years for for everybody. Um, let's try to get it on a more positive note. Last couple minutes that we have for the show, which is what is something that you are looking forward to wrestling wise in twenty twenty two? I'm looking forward to ending the show so I can go watch Curb Your Enthusiasm the season finale. I'm looking forward to Joe Turco uh, beating Roman Reigns for the uh, title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pleasure great- for you. Yes. <laughs> what about Crazy Train Radio? What can what what can we look forward to with, from Crazy Train Radio in twenty twenty? Well, there is two things that I think we can do, and after we pass over the new year, and both Mike and Evan were a part of the food bank fundraiser we did because COVID was still pretty heavy, but we're going to do something in March. But this time for a children's hospital in L.A. where Mike is from. Uh, So that's one thing. The other thing is, and I got to say thank you again, even though it's been my brand for nine years, but had this for about a year and a half. The dugout mugs. Mm. And these mugs are made out of the actual wood that they make baseball bats out of. And mm. I can pass along links to Buddy and stuff. It's everyone sold. We give royalties to a group out of Seattle called Operation Ward 57 that helps uh, wounded warriors and stuff like that. So That's great. Definitely post that on our Facebook site and give uh, our fans information about how they can subscribe, how they can order. It's just past the Don't Christmas get- season. Yeah, dugoutmugs.com slash CTR. I'd like to get one of those. I'd like to get one of those and beat some indie promoters with them. (laughs) Just beat them mercilessly. Well, pimply face. Can we hit Eric Sims with it? Yeah. I know I'll get a message about it. Pimply face money marks. Well, Eric Sims, I don't know. We got to get smart and chic up so he fires his ass. But uh, um, also, uh, when you're ready to do that promotion in March, Please come back to us so that we can help you promote that. that uh, yeah, because we're we are gonna. I already heard from and several legendary wrestlers. AEW also offered some current talent, and so we're just trying to put all that together. But if I can, buddy, February when I have everything scheduled, would love to. We'd love to have you back on, and we'd love to help promote a good cause like that. That's. One thing that I would love for our show to be able to do in a greater level next year is to help uh, uh, promotions that are, are working with charities and so forth to, to help promote those events. You're about to say something, Evan? Uh, I was going to say I was very impressed when uh, Jonathan turned down interviews with Madonna and Elton John to keep slots open for Dewdrop. I, th- I was very impressed with that. I, uh, yeah. But... Well, now that I had a chance to read, since we're doing books, Elton John's book. Yeah. 2022. There you go. Or the Paul McCartney double uh, double book. What was I going to say? Piper Niven is not related to David Niven, and Piper Niven is the real name of Dewdrop. Oh, okay. No, she's uh, a- that name's the shits. 
Yeah, maybe that's why they went with uh, Dewdrop. But um, uh, so no, I bet Dewdrop was the shits. But oh, okay, there you go. Um, yeah. So uh, why don't you promote uh, your uh, Crazy Train Radio on our show here for for your your uh, for our fans to know about how they can follow you more, uh, uh, Jonathan. Well, easily can find us on all major platforms: Google, Apple, Spotify, all that fun stuff. Also have a YouTube channel. Uh, like I said, these lovely mugs are dugoutmugs.com slash CTR. And all over Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So. Great. What, what, what I guess you have coming up on your show? Well, we have, we, I know Mike. We're going to have the first of the year. What's that? Jeff Jarrett. Yes, uh, we're going to have that book. We, Me and Mike just actually talked to and released last week, uh, Jumpin' Jim Brunzel. Uh, I actually just released a chat with uh, David Sakakis from the uh, original E Street Band. So, you know, got a couple of things out there. Ian Douglas, who was a uh, writer for several wrestling books as well. So there's couple things that just got released and like he said jared's going to be in the first of the year hopefully rip rogers and a few other things we're going to have wrestling related well one of these days when you get hard up for guests you can always have buddy satello on there i'm i'm always able to be i'm always ready for, to, to do a, a cross interview with uh with another podcast so um well, well long it's as really nice check to, clears. i'm sorry Long as your check clears, you're more than welcome. Exactly, exactly. It's Miller time, boys. It's Miller time. All right, folks. I'll, I'll on stick that with note, the whiskey. Yes. On that note, as everyone's getting ready to get pounded here, we'll we'll uh, we'll hey, call. Hey, watch it. how you say that. <laughs> and and um, really, thank you very much for having you on as a guest this week. Looking forward to have you on on future shows. And and uh, thanks everyone. It's great to see you all surviving the holidays. Yeah, and happy and healthy New Year to everybody. We don't want to lose anybody else next year. Happy and healthy New Year. Absolutely. To all our listeners, thank you, everyone, for being here for 2021. We'll see you, and we'll have a great 2022. Good night, everyone. Right on.